coming up on This Week in Games. It's the big E3 episode with a breakdown of the event. A major lawsuit hits Unity CEO and Tesla lands another dashboard game. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and as all of you know, this was the biggest week in gaming of the year. The week where, you know, the game industry shows the world what to expect for us next week, next year, sorry. The week where, you know, we, we know if we're stuck in the previous console generation for the next 12 months, or we might be getting some shiny new toys this coming holiday season. And as always, I'll try to focus on the game industry and business news, not the game announcements, what I personally feel about games and things of that nature, because there's just more seasoned content creators that'll break down game trailers, demos, and where your money should go for entertainment. And it's just not me. It's just not this show. So a lot to go over. Let's blow through E3. E3. I guess you can say this E3 failed to deliver the industry shaking news. It kind of had the potential to. We're in, we are in a transition year, you know, Sony is gearing up to increment that little number after the word PlayStation, and top developers are kind of like anxiously waiting to see what the new platform paradigm hardware innovation pans out so they can place their bets in the form of development resources. I have no doubt that there are major kind of like new IP and big games getting worked on, but I don't think anyone was ready to announce them, and also generally they could probably port them to any platform so i don't think anyone's willing to put their chips down and say i'm all in on stadia (laughs) more on stadia later so let's roll through the major players stadia updates stadia had their big announcement thursday before e3 i covered it last week um you know i god i was like i was more positive on that announcement last week and then after e3 and reflecting over it god that stadia really like they came out it was very bad (laughs) reflecting on it i I I can't believe I pre-ordered it, to be honest. The only real update is that Ubisoft's new subscription play, Uplay Plus, will be available for an additional fee on Stadia. So this is like if you access HBO or Showtime content while in Amazon Prime Video. You pay for both services separately, but you get access one through the other. So it looks like publishers can launch their own subscription services and fees that sit on top of Stadia's own. Again, no new platform exclusive or announcements of the content for Stadia. And, you know, looking back, it doesn't help justify the $130 I dropped last week, which to me, it makes Stadia feel like a dud at the moment. Now, one of the more interesting conversations I had regarding Stadia with kind of like other developers and people in the industry in E3 is that some developers are mentally filing Stadia as an advertising tool, not a platform to sell their content on. So... You know, the most common um, use case is the one they showed during their big Stadia announcement at GDC, and that's the YouTube integration is really the most useful Stadia use case, and it's unique to Google, which makes it unique to Stadia as well. So you have the YouTube ad for a game, people can click on the ad, instantly play the game, you know, no loading up, play it for five minutes, maybe play level, play some kind of like segmented content that you're allowing people to play and then upsell the game for purchase on every platform including stadia but other platforms as well and after seeing stadia's e3 showing i feel this might be truer than ever now i don't think google's the type of company that's going to limit what platforms you can upsell during a stadia ad 
And so, you know, I think that's the upside. Now, if Google were to say like, oh, if you're using Stadia in a video ad that opens a game in Stadia, you can only upsell the game on Stadia. That would be a bad business decision. But right now, I mean, that YouTube use case seems to be like the most prolific thing I've seen. Outside of that, God, Stadia's lineup, not great. You know, the $10 a month, I'm, I'm very, it's very cheap and I'm very happy of that. Um, but no aggregated subscriptions service, no nothing, no free games. I mean, they said there will be free games, but like the first free game is Destiny 2, which is going free to play anyway. So it's kind of a moot point. All right, let's move on from Stadia. Let's go to Microsoft. My, you know, I wouldn't, my like where I'm placing, if I were a hedge fund and I would dumping money on one game company for the next five years, it would be Microsoft. Now, Microsoft was an interesting beast, this E3. I honestly thought it was going to be Project X Cloud all day and night. Instead, we got like a weird taste of Project X Cloud and then an, a tease of new consoles for the 2020 holiday season. So Project Scarlet will be the codename for the next Microsoft console. It's able to run four times faster than the current top console, the Xbox One X. And it can run 120 frames per second at 8K resolution, which, I mean, is all good, but nobody needs 120 frames per second. And 4K is rarely utilized, much less 8K. I think it's great for future-proofing, but with other streaming technology, maybe not outright cloud gaming, other streaming technology will allow you to, you know, upscale your game resolutions with, you know, consumer technology. So I think whatever the console supports natively, is maybe moot at this point. Um, Project X Cloud, Microsoft's own gaming platform, will fe be featured on Project Scarlet, but not be the entire like main core competency of the device. And this scares me that uh, Microsoft doesn't think cloud gaming is really here yet, and still wants to support kind of like the antiquated physical game disc model. I honestly, honestly thought they were gonna go all in on cloud gaming, like offer a $100 device, maybe $200 device, has local processing for inputs and other stuff to make uh, the delay and everything less significant, but you know, cloud gaming only device, maybe you can download a few games. Um, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It, it was a weird Microsoft announcement because I think everyone had their eyes on Microsoft this year more than any other uh, publisher, console maker, anything because it was like, what is Microsoft going to do? What is Project X Cloud? What is Project Scarlet? What's going to go on? Kind of a moot thing. So I guess we're getting all new consoles in holiday 2020, but you know they didn't really show the consoles or anything. So that was also kind of a, a moot point. They just kind of talked about it. And yeah, it, it's, it was an interesting Microsoft announcement, to say the least. I mean, of course, they had games and stuff, which you can go to other sites to look at. All right, let's move on to Bethesda. The, there is one interesting portion of Bethesda's press conference, which I'm sure you guys all know what's coming, and that's Orion. Orion is a streaming, Bethesda claims is a streaming platform. It's not. It's more like a streaming service or tool that works with any other platform like Project xCloud or Stadia and is integrated at the game engine level to improve performance. So it promises 20% faster frames per second, lower latency, and 40% lower bandwidth uses, which is all good, but like what the fuck does 20% 40% actually mean or lower actually mean? What are you measuring from the beginning and the end? I mean, you can't really like increase 120 frames per second 20% faster. So 
These are all moot stats, and it'll shown off live demo, supposedly live demo, <laughs> running 2016's Doom on a mobile device at 60 frames per second, which honestly was insanely impressive, and if you watch the video, it's outright insane. Like, it looked gorgeous, it looked great. Um, I love the idea that Bethesda, instead of investing in their own cloud streaming services, investing at engine-level tech, and, you know... Although John Carmack doesn't work there anymore, like Bethesda owns id, and id is kind of known as like a powerhouse in proprietary tech. Um, and I really like this idea that Bethesda is like taking some of that tech, selling it as a service, and making it platform ag agnostic. Um, great job. I, I thought that was really great. Uh, let's move on to Ubisoft. Oh, Ubisoft. They're, I've sh I shit on them all the time. You know, it's just like you watch this E3 presentation and you see why. It, it looks more and more like a company that is a meme of a create creativity-starved game company. Like, Ubisoft only had one solid business announcement, and that was Uplay, Uplay Plus, which is hard to say. Uplay Plus. Uplay Plus. Uplay Plus. Okay. Done. Ubisoft will launch a $15 a month subscription service and boost the library over 100 available games on pc and stadia and will include all upcoming ubisoft titles lots of problems lots of red flags first off gamers don't need 100 games to play like i know microsoft offers it but microsoft also has like 10 studios and is constantly you know kicking out games as gamers we generally play one to maybe three games at a time and we don't need ubisoft trying to justify 15 dollars a month piling on crap when there's really only one thing we're after also the fact that it's only on pc and stadia terrible like everything about this was really bad Ugh, god 15 15 a month for a pc monthly subscription thing you know i mean most pc gamers are playing games as a service anyways they're playing league of legends they're playing fortnite like what are you going to offer it's just the math doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. Ubisoft, you don't make sense. All right, next up, Square Enix. This was the worst press conference, in my opinion, and I just got done shitting on Ubisoft. There are strangely a lot of trailers for games that were released years ago. Like, why the fuck are you showing us an Octopath Traveler trailer? when That game was released, I think, what, like 2016 or something? And maybe 2017? I don't know. It, it just doesn't even make sense. Like... Why are you wasting your time like trying to sell us Dragon Dragon uh, Quest or Dragon Warrior games from like three years ago? It, Square is desperately trying to get people excited about remakes and remasters for stuff, and it's very clear that they lack the ability to deliver a hit game in the modern game industry, and they lack the ability to deliver games in anything that resembles a timely fashion. Like, I know I'm not supposed to get into games, but... I love Final Fantasy VII, but for fuck's sake, after all these years, you're going to deliver us Final Fantasy VII Midgard? Like, the Midgard portion of the game is, I don't know, the first couple of hours of gameplay if you move fast? Like, what? what is this? This is so weird. Um, Square Enix did mention that they're considering a subscription service, but that service would be focused on past titles and not current ones, aka it's be just milking the old money bag that they milk on every platform. Square thinks they can charge us a monthly fee to play Chrono Trigger as opposed to buying it on one of the 50 million platforms they ported it to. <sighs> I I don't know. This company, it's like Square Enix 
thinks that they have the clout that they had 15 years ago or something like I don't I, I, I don't think that they're there anymore I mean people in their 30s like me probably have the biggest like attachment to Square Enix I don't know any 10 year olds that are running around like with Final Fantasy 15 shirts on so Square Enix not looking good not looking good at all better start making a battle royale game with Final Fantasy characters all right last up Nintendo also a disappointing presentation because Pretty much it lacked anything substantial from an industry standpoint. And you know things are bad when your capstone announcement was that you started development on a sequel. You started development on a sequel. Let that sit in. That was their capstone announcement. Um, no hardware previews or announcements for the rumored two different iterations of the Switch coming up. The cheaper uh, family-friendly one for like kids and then the more expensive higher-end one. I don't know. That's Nintendo. What do you expect? Uh, in general... I think this E3 was really disappointing from kind of a creative standpoint of content. There are lots and lots and lots of sequel, remakes, remasters, re-releases, and all that shit. And most of the new titles look so similar to the other offerings that it was hard to tell that they were actually new. I forgot whose presentation it was, but after the 50th game that you were someone shooting at some kind of zombie or infection or like creature outbreak like you're just like what what are we doing like how many post-apocalyptic worlds can i shoot at people in you know not a good look e3 uh again we're at the tail end of console generation eagerly eagerly awaiting what will come up next it's somewhat natural for us to just be in this shitty state of like here's a bunch of trash to round you out for this next year i feel like all the stocks are gonna slowly sink a bit over 2019 and early 2020 and at the end of 2020 pick up again i i just was really frustrated by the timidity is that even a word to reveal anything by the big players so very annoying but that was e3 um it's over there were some great things great content uh biggest game for me cd project red cyberpunk 2077 i've been eagerly anticipating it since its 2013 trailer um looks great probably gonna play great so that's it, E3. Let's get to some news. All right. The game industry didn't stop when E3 happened, so we still had some news. A lawsuit was filed against Unity CEO John Riccatelli for sexual harassments of female employees led by its former VP of Global Talent Acquisition, Ann Evans. So this lawsuit's pretty rough. Um, I didn't read it like super thoroughly, but I skimmed through it. It reads that Riccatelli and other executives would make advances and lewd sexual comments towards female executives. And then during a company survey, Evans and other employees brought these issues to light. Now, where it gets bad for Unity is Evans alleged that the personal data and information from the survey was legally accessed within Unity to identify her. As an investigation arose, instead of like Unity punishing the person who accessed it, it was instead Evans that was terminated. Unity terminated her for violating company policy by accepting gifts from other employees who Evans reported for improperly accessing the aforementioned survey results. So from what it sounds like, someone actually like did the illegal thing and then someone gave Evans information about the illegal thing and then she reported it and then they fired her for accepting gifts from employees. I, I don't know. Crazy. According to this suit, Evans claims there's no plausibly written or otherwise addressing the giving or accepting the gifts among employees. Large companies kind of need to handle these nuanced situations with white gloves, in my opinion, especially ones involving race or gender issues and especially ones involving executives 
and even especially ones involving your CEO. Come on. If you lightly read the lawsuit, it's like regardless of who the court finds at fault or what evidence comes up, it looks to me like Unity handled this mess really poorly and is lucky there isn't a class action lawsuit from employees having confidential survey information leaked. That, ugh, Unity, come on. I love your game engine, but if this is your culture, it's time to sack your CEO, if that's true. And then the whole survey thing, that, come on. You know better. You're a big company. You've been around forever. This this isn't acceptable. All right. Another company not acting acceptable. California is accusing Riot of non-compliance in its gender discrimination case. So the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, DEFH, is claiming Riot has failed to provide enough information and transparency during a major gender discrimination case brought against the company. So the information in question is regarding regards to salaries and bonuses for the pay portion of the investigation as far as like gender gender pay differences the DEFH says the DEFH seeks the information as part of an investigation to allege unequal pay sexual harassment sexual assault retaliation and gender discrimination in selection and promotion Jesus Christ riot <laughs> riot of course denies these claims but the financial data financial data in general is pretty black and white so if you are hiding financial data, it's pretty tough to claim that you've given, you know, investigators all the information needed because it'll be very apparent there are holes in your reporting. I mean, it's very black and white. All right, we got some news that just blows my fucking mind. It's just, I'm, I don't even know what to say. So Atari's new console, the Atari VCS, goes on pre-order for $250 and includes an all-in version that includes everything for $390. To top this off, no games are announced for the system that is slated to launch in March of 2020. And if you're wondering why the fuck would someone would give Atari $250 to almost $400 for a console that doesn't have any games announced and it's Atari, you're likely to have the ability to make logical decisions because I don't get it either. I like, who the, who is Who's buying this? $250. Who would buy a console from Atari for that much? All right. Last bit of news, Tesla will also now support Fallout Shelter in an upcoming patch. And again, not a story, but a headline. And these headlines are increasingly catching my eye. Tesla dashboard gaming. Let that sink in. Could be the new frontier. A whole E3 section devoted to it. Tesla dashboard gaming. Awesome. All right. Let's get some business news. I'll rattle through these. Uh, I know we spent a lot of time in the E3 section. GameStop is closing down ThinkGeek. Think Geek as an independently operating entity. So the Think Geek website and brand, uh, mainly a store for gaming merchandise and collectibles, will be rolled into GameStop's main store. I guess Think Geek also has 40 physical retail ro locations. Um, those will continue to exist as is, but likely just look like a GameStop on the inside. It kind of a move that speaks to the sentiments I brought up in last week's episode about how GameStop is fucked and GameStop needs to find a non-box game revenue stream to replace their box game revenue stream, basically. This is the best option I think is available to them at the time. Um, ThinkGeek was founded in 1999 and bought by GameStop in June of 2015. So uh, I guess it's sad for, you know, the people who built that brand, but... Smart move by GameStop. Uh, Epic Games is added again and acquires video chat platform House Party. So House Party 
would like to list itself as a synchronous social media platform. Amazing. I assume this is because it gets them a revenue multiple when it raises money to list itself as a social media platform rather than a video chat service because one has a much higher multiple than the other. So House Party was launched in 2016. It got really big and then it kind of fizzled out as the bigger platforms like Instagram contain the social video space. Uh, Epic acquired House Party for an undisclosed amount, but it said together they want to, quote, build even more fun shared experiences than what could be achieved alone. So reading between the lines, probably Fortnite video chat and video recording, um, maybe even like taking a pass at YouTube with video content. Who knows? Epic's, Epic's out of control. This is what happens when you give them a billion dollars, everyone. This is what happens. Um all right, Against Gravity raises $24 million in a strange simultaneous Series A and Series B. So I don't follow the VC world that much, so I don't know how common this is. I've never reported one of these that someone raised a Series A and Series B at the same time. Frankly, seems weird. Uh, led by VC giants Sequoia and Index Ventures, Against Gravity raises money to light on fire. And why do I say that? Because... They're living in a VR dreamland if they think VR is ever going to return $24 million to them. Um, Against Gravity makes virtual playrooms that are multiplayer across cross-platform. So you can play it on Vive and whatever the hell else, Oculus, whatever. Um, ignoring that story, if this year's E3 showed us anything, it's that none of the big players are touching AR and VR right now. And kind of mixed reality has been abandoned for the time being. Even Valve isn't even talking about the Valve Index, so that's my opinion and kind of the fact. Uh, Esports consolidation. So we had two stories today. Immortal Gaming Club acquires Infinite Esports and Entertainment in a deal worth over $100 million where I don't know what the fuck value these companies have that's worth $100 million. These two esports giants will merge. Infinite is a giant esports conglomeration that contains Optic Gaming which I think is a Counter-Strike Go team or something, and the Overwatch League's Houston Outlaws team. Uh, however, East, <laughs> Infinite Esports Entertainment recently laid off 19 employees, including its presidents, over financials. Not a good sign if you're paying $100 million for them. Immortal is one of the giants left standing in the esports business, but I seriously don't understand how they expect the, the revenue black after major acquisitions like this. Again, I don't understand the space. And another lackluster esports acquisition, Rec Global acquires greenlit content. So Rec Global, known for their kind of like League of Legends EU team, has acquired a company that holds media producers GameDaily.biz, Prima Guides, and Shack News. This acquisition doesn't really make sense to me. Um, it would be like the parent company to the Lakers acquiring Bleacher Report, except those two companies are successful and these two aren't. So... I don't really know. Um, all right, rounding off, I like to round off with bad news because like we always say, that's how we do it here. Amazon Game Studio lays off dozens of employees, but it's not as bad as you think. So as Amazon Game Studios gears up to attempt to release a game or its first game since forming in 2012, it recently had a wave of layoffs, but it's not terrible as other companies because these Amazon employees have 60 days to find another position within the company or they will receive a severance package. So pretty sweet deal if you ask me. If you want the severance package, hey, you got 60 days of paid time off. If you uh, don't want the severance package, you got 60 days to find a new job, which is quite an amount of time. So not terrible. All right, that's it. E3 done. E3 done. Uh, not much coming up this next year, then this will be uh, 
very boring podcast thanks to the platform holders, but we'll try to find some interesting news in the future. All right, that's it for this week in games. I'm Merritt McConnell. Come back next week and we'll do it all over again. Take care.